Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Questions. This is Ryan Polly. I want to start off and say I'm sorry I made a mistake with my sound recording for this interview. I didn't have the right settings and it did not record well. So my end doesn't sound great and I apologize for that, but I still hope that you enjoy this great interview with Tim Stratton. Well, hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Questions. This is Ryan Polly. You know, one thing that's been going on in my mind a lot lately, and I've even been getting a lot of questions on this from students, is this idea between, you know, human freedom and God's sovereignty. How does human free will work with predestination? And then even my own kind of journey, where I would say maybe I, I started out kind of in the Arminian camp. Uh, I then kind of transitioned into Molinism, but now have had a lot of thoughts on Calvinism. And so just with all the thoughts I have had and then the students' questions that have come in, I decided I wanted to get someone on that knew a little bit more about this than I do. And so I have uh, invited Tim Stratton to join me. And so, Tim, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on the show, Ryan. You know, I've known of you for quite a while. Uh, we've run in many of the same circles for quite a while, but we've never officially met face-to-face until last week yep. in Southern California. Had a great time hanging out with you and getting to know you, and now it's just awesome to continue some of our conversations here over uh, or on your podcast. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I'm really excited. Yeah, it was so good kind of seeing you in, around in circles, right? The apologetics world is small. Uh, yeah. Tim graduated with his master's in apologetics from Biola, but it was a few years before I did. And so we didn't really get that chance to connect. Uh, he's now working on his uh, PhD in systematic theology from Northwest University, where he's actually looking at and focusing on demonstrating God's middle knowledge and mankind's libertarian freedom or mere Molinism and then how this has apologetic significance. And so again, uh, really working on that dissertation and um, right along what we want to talk about. So that's why I had him on the show. And how far along are you on that dissertation? Are you getting close? Very close. Uh, I've finished the rough draft of the whole thing. I've sent it in and my supervisor's now sent back several changes he'd like to see in several of the chapters. So I'm working on that right now. Uh, But yeah, just yesterday, I finally typed out all of the thank yous and acknowledgements. So uh, that was pretty cool. That you know, uh, that that's kind of a mark that you're almost done. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think I saw read somewhere about 350 pages. Yeah, probably. It's probably going to be a little bit over that, uh, at least with the uh, bibliography. So we'll wow. see. Yeah. I think as soon as I read that this morning, I was like, you know, people always ask me if I'm going to get my PhD. And there's always times where I think I do, but I don't really like writing. And so as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as I saw the 350 pages, I was like, Oh man, yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's funny is, you know, Mike Lacona, uh, his uh, dissertation was, I think, pushing 800 pages, and that's the Resurrection of Jesus book yeah. that he's got. So I look at his work, and I'm like, man, I've done nothing compared to him. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that is a timeless work, uh, what he's yeah. done, and so. Awesome. Well, I, I want to start off before we get into kind of the more controversial stuff of, you know, Calvinism, yeah. Arminianism debate, what right. you always hear and God's freedom or our freedom and God's sovereignty. Um, I want to hear kind of your story again and, and have you share that, because, again, this podcast is focused on answering student questions and, and helping students really understand and, and uh, the truth of Christianity and be able to defend that with 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 grace and with, you know, compassion and yeah. um, and your story kind of uh, into apologetics is very interesting of of you've been in uh, you were in youth ministry for about what 15 years I believe yep and um, and you didn't always start off focused on apologetics and systematic theology so how what is your kind of journey in youth ministry yeah so I uh, got into you uh, youth ministry youth and college ministry right after I graduated college actually in Santa Cruz California started up there did a 
a youth internship. Uh, my goal was to be a teacher. My undergrad is in education. I wanted to be a basketball coach. Um, but anyway, uh, right after I graduated, I was invited to try out youth ministry. And so I thought, hey, what the heck? Uh, I get to do ministry on the beach in Santa Cruz, California. I'll do that for a year. Uh, just have some fun. But I really uh, fell in love with ministry while I was out there. Uh, but ultimately, uh, I started. Uh, I, I moved back to Nebraska after that, and I was a youth pastor at an evangelical free church. And about two years in to, to that gig, I was, uh, I was leading a, a Bible study for young men, and I had been for those two years. So I started in 06. And uh, this young man who was a freshman when I started, uh, now two years later, beginning his junior year, and he was in, in my Bible study. He was born and raised in the church. And I'm getting ready for the back-to-school bash. You know, I had a rock band coming in, a big party planned, all the food and pizza. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it was going to be a lot of fun. And so I'm yeah. sound-checking the band before youth group starts. And this young man comes in and taps me on the shoulder. And I turn around and it's, it's this kid that uh, junior going to be a junior in high school now, and uh, like I said, he was in my I was close with him. I, he was in my Bible study for young men, and he said, "Tim, I just want to let you know I'm not coming back to youth group this year." And I said, "Well, uh, why not?" You know, and he said, "Well, I'm 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 not coming to youth group at all." And I said, "Well, are you going to somebody else's youth group? I mean, what youth pastor in town would steal <laughs> my?" My kid, you know, it's like, that's a, that's a violation. That's an unwritten code among youth pastors. You don't do that. Who, who's responsible for this? You know? <laughs> and he goes, no, I'm not going to anybody's youth group. Uh, Tim, I'm an atheist now. I became an atheist over the summer. And I was like, what? You know, that's not true. And he said, no, I don't know that, Tim. And, and I thought, well, maybe if I yelled a little louder and I said, no, you know, that's not true. He, he said, Tim, that's, that's not the case. He said, stop putting words in my mouth. I don't know that. What I do know is that God does not exist and that Christianity is a fairy tale. Those books, those stories in that Bible, they're nothing but fairy tales. He said something like that to me. And then I said, but, but why would you think that? We've been in, you've been in my Bible study. We've been reading it. You know it's true. And, you know, he, he said, no, I don't know that's true. And I said, but look right here, Paul tells Timothy, that every word in this book is true. And he goes, but why should I believe that? And because he says it right here, it's the word of God. And he goes, but I don't believe it's the word of God. Why should I say it? And I said, because it's in the word of God. He goes, Tim, there's a 16-year-old, by the way. He said, Tim, yeah. that's a logical fallacy. I don't even know what a logical fallacy was back then. Hmm. You know, this is 2008, right? And so the 16-year-old is teaching me about logic. Yeah, and, and logical fallacies at the same time while he's telling me that Christianity is not true. And it just rocked my world. Um, needless to say, I mean, well, I'll tell you this. Finally, he said, Tim, if you can answer one of my questions, I'll stick around. And uh, and he offered, you know, I, I say he probably offered a dozen from which to choose. And I couldn't answer a single one. Uh, and And not being able to answer any of them really shook me. Um, especially when he showed that my typical way of answering questions was logically fallacious. And he walked after I failed at answering all of his questions. I think he was appealing to Richard Dawkins at the time. And, yeah. You know, he just read The God Delusion, I believe, and uh, he was following Sam Harris and, you know, all the 
the you know the four horsemen and Stephen Hawking and all these guys. But you know, I, I failed at answering all of his questions, and I, he turned around. I saw before he turned around, I, I saw tears in his eyes, like, and he looked at me with disgust, like you really let me down. And he turned around and walked out of the doors of the church. And man, needless to say, I did not enjoy the rest of the night. <laughs> I did not enjoy the band. <laughs> did not enjoy the back to school bash. I went home that night and my faith was shaken. I like to say, look, I, I still knew that Christianity was true. I mean, I, I really, I think there's something to that inner witness of the Holy Spirit yeah. thing. I, I, I knew it was true, but man, I was even like, he even got me thinking, man, is that just, Maybe that's indigestion. I don't know. <laughs> you know um, no, I still knew it was true, but man, I was even thinking, do I really know that? I mean, I was just shaken. But with, you know, I, some people say they have a problem with me saying that my faith was shaken. I still had it. I didn't lose it by any means. I'm just saying my faith was shaken a bit. But with shaken faith that night, I went home, dropped to my knees and prayed. And I asked God for guidance and direction. And, and up to that point, I always considered myself to be uh, you know, the kid that wasn't that smart growing up in, in high school, I really struggled academically. Um, I was always the, the guy on the basketball team who was being threatened to be kicked off the team because my grades were so bad. My ACT scores were horrible. First time I took it, I got a 14. Uh, the second, that was my junior year. Second time I took it, my senior year, I got a 17. I thought, oh, that's good enough. <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> they weren't good at all. So, uh, it just blows my mind that I'm pursuing a PhD at the moment, but uh, I, that was not my plan. It, clear into adulthood, I always considered myself to be uh, the guy who wasn't that smart. And, and really, I figured, well, you know, nothing against youth pastors out there, but I thought, hey, youth ministry is something that, that I can do. You don't have to be terribly smart to do it. Uh, you can, you know, you play games with kids, you take them out for pizza and Pepsi and <laughs> and uh uh, you have fun. You play games, play some video games. You throw out a few scriptures at the end. Here's a Bible verse for you to think about. You know, see you next week. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but man, I was wrong about that. When they started really pressing in with these tough questions, I realized, man, youth ministry is one of the toughest jobs out there. Yeah. Youth ministry, you have to take your studies seriously to be a good youth pastor, a good pastor in general. I think I wasn't a good I was a good youth pastor in some ways. I spent a lot of time with students, developed good relationships, pointed them to Jesus, got them in the Bible. Uh, but I failed miserably in many other ways, and I had to uh, learn how to correct those mistakes. So God, that night when I was praying with a shaken faith, I felt like he said to me, it's not like I heard it with my eardrums or anything, but I felt like he said, Tim, if you're going to be a shepherd, you need to learn how to defend the sheep. And uh, I think it's because I had recently watched The Patriot and the pastor in that movie says something similar. Sometimes you got to defend a sheep. But that, but that was ringing in my ears. Well, figuratively speaking, <laughs> maybe it's better to say I felt it in my yeah. in the core of my being. I don't know. <laughs> but I felt like God was telling me I've got to defend the sheep. And I said, but God, you got the wrong guy. I'm the stupid kid. Remember? I have the low GPA, <laughs> bad ACT scores. Um, now, you know, based on everything that this young man was telling me, now you're telling me I've got to interact with PhD physicists and philosophers. You got the wrong guy. And I felt like, again, God letting me know, and this is biblical, that where I am weak, he is strong. 
he will get more glory using a weak vessel like me <laughs> anyway, you know what I mean? And if I ask for wisdom, uh, he'll give it. And so I did. I asked for wisdom. And again, I felt like he said, I, again, I'm not saying I, I heard this. This is just how I, what I felt. And uh, I'm not normally that kind of guy that's saying I heard from God. But this is like the one time in my life where I can just definitely point to I felt like I was having a conversation with God. Mm-hmm. And I uh, felt like he basically said, hey, if you're willing to put in the work, uh, hold on tight. And yeah. I'll transform you by the renewing of your mind. You know, there's Romans 12, too, right there. Yeah. And, man, it happened. So somehow I got through Biola, a master's degree there, with highest honors, by the way. You know? Hey, <laughs> and hey. Now I'm work- yeah, and now I'm working on a PhD and almost done. So it's That's been awesome. a crazy wild ride yeah i feel like i'm in a very similar boat except for the phd no uh but in you high school be. in high yeah. school i could but uh yeah. in high school it was uh man i think i had about a 2.830 something like that mm-hmm. i was always on the edge of ineligibility right. <laughs> only thing that kept the only thing that kept me eligible was baseball and not and not wanting to be sitting right. bench yeah and um and I think that's the only reason I passed high school. And in fact, I still say that to this day. Uh, and then here we are, you know, I get to college, I, I, I blow three O in college and then mm-hmm. yeah, graduating with a master's highest honors. And just like, you know, once you find that thing that you love, yeah, it sure changes things. So, right. I mean, so you, you started off, you share that story and then you obviously went into studying apologetics. Um, how have you seen that now then trans transform the students that you're working with? Uh, maybe not necessarily in your church, but whatever you're doing now, uh, to yeah. now doing relationship and truth at the same time. Yeah, well, apologetics and good theology is vital. It changes everything. It makes, and it really made a world of difference. I'm no longer a youth pastor. Uh, I do, you know, apologetics and worldview ministry full time uh, with free thinking ministries. We can talk about that later. But I still love working with students. Uh, but before I transitioned out of youth ministry, um, I was, as I was learning apologetics and thinking and how to think logically about everything, including scripture and theology, um, I was taking the students with me. Sometimes I was probably, you know, as I was jumping into the deep waters of philosophy, I probably shouldn't have been taking those middle school students with me at that <laughs> into those deep waters. Looking back on it, I made some mistakes, but overall, I think it was quite beneficial. Um, and, and through the process, I've kind of learned how to first get their feet wet, how to give swimming lessons before you take them into the, the diving pool, you know. Yeah. But uh, when, when one knows what they should believe and exactly why they should believe it, um, then that changes everything. They, they know the gospel and then they know how to answer the inevitable questions or objections that arise after sharing the gospel. So I, used, as a youth pastor, I used to take students to evangelism conferences all the time. You know, I'm thinking of the uh, one, a great one called Dare to Share. Uh, what I loved about that ministry is that they taught the gospel. Uh, students would go there and they'd learn how to share. They they learn what the gospel was and how to share it during this conference. Fantastic. But the one thing that they were not equipped with at this conference was how to answer the follow-up questions that inevitably arise after sharing the gospel. So year after year after year, as a youth pastor, I take my youth group to this conference and others like it. And during these conferences, then they send all the students out across the city, wherever we're at, to uh, go door to door and share the gospel. Kind of like Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons or something, except we got the truth, right? We're going to give them the, the true gospel. But 
year after year, I saw so many students who were excited. They learned the gospel. They got excited about sharing it. They went out to share it. And then at the end of the day, after going door to door, they said, I'm never doing that again. Uh, I saw defeat and failure time after time after time uh, because they weren't equipped to answer the tough questions that would follow. And that's where apologetics and good systematic theology comes into play. So now you and I work for an, an org- organization called Maven, and yeah. Maven, we'll probably talk about that more later. Well, that's but, one of the cool things is is that you know we we were running in these same circles. We're both mm-hmm. field guides for Maven, leading immersive experiences, which I've talked about on the show. But again, did, had not met you until last week, and so yeah. it's cool making that connection. <laughs> so you know, I'm, I'm saying, helping I'm okay. helping train some of the teams that you're taking on trips. So <laughs> yeah, so cool. And, and yeah, so what you're doing, I mean, by the time they get to to the destination where I'm going to be the field guide, you've gone, you've prepared them, and, and Brett Conkle has prepared them. To, you know, they 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 understand the gospel. They know what they should believe and why they should believe it, and also why you should believe it. So they look forward. I'll tell you, I mean, we we take these students on these college campuses. Berkeley is the best. I love taking these students on the Berkeley campus to where the vibe there is pretty hostile against Christianity, especially evangelical Christianity. And these students, I mean, these teenagers are going out there to talk to these college students and to their professors. And they're that first day, they're so scared uh, walking onto that campus because they know what they're up against. But they also know they've been equipped, but they're like, okay, does this, this they they say we're equipped. Yeah. Does (laughs) it actually work? (laughs) And so there's this, you know, it's like sending soldiers onto a battlefield. They know they've got their weapons. They know they've been trained. They're like, are these things really going to work? Yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when the rubber hits the road, <clears throat> but they get out there on the campus, they're scared. But I'll tell you what, after about the first two or three conversations, you know, I tell them, I say, hey, let's meet back in, uh, in two hours and let's debrief, see how it's going. And we meet back and they're like, let us back out there. Let yeah. us back out there. This stuff works. Yeah. They're like, all right, I'll get a few quick points and we'll debrief. I'm like, all right, go back out for another couple hours. And the next day they're like, they can't wait to go back the next day. And so, yeah, when, when students have apologetics and good systematic theology that log, that makes sense of all their theological beliefs logically, then knowing the gospel, they can go out and share it with confidence because they, they know what objections are probably going to be raised. They know what questions, and they've already been prepared with it. And they're like, yeah. ah, I knew you were going to ask that. Here's the yeah. answer. You know? yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Oh, yeah. And I always talk about this. The same thing happened to me when I was at uh, Brigham Young University, BYU Mormon University. Yeah. You know, we go into the cafeteria and have conversations with the students there. And, you know, again, the students are scared. They don't know where to sit down. And you're like, just sit down at a table with students. It's fine. <laughs> and after day two, they don't want to leave. We, mm-hmm. hey, you have to debrief. Meet us back here at 3 o'clock. And they're all showing up at 3.15, 3.20 because they don't want to stop their conversations. <laughs> right. And at the end of debrief, it's like, we don't want to go back home, We, you know, to Salt Lake. We want to go back into the cafeteria. And so uh, to me, there's nothing else that just transforms these students to, to and builds their confidence in wanting to actually get out there and do it. Yeah. Uh, it's just so cool. Again, when you know that there are responses to the big questions, even if you don't know all the responses and you can just walk in with that confidence of, Hey, I think I can respond to a lot of things cause I've been trained, but mm-hmm. also if something else comes up. I know how to maneuver in a conversation. I know how to ask the right questions and I know how to right. say, Hey, that's a great question. I don't know. Let me think about that. Then you see these students get out there and do the things that youth pastors want them to do. Yeah. And that is sharing their faith and applying it to the culture that they live in. So that's so cool. 
Um, now, I think it was one of the trips that you were on as uh, San Francisco. It was the first Berkeley trip I think you just kind of attended yeah. that I heard some cool stories of a student sitting down with a professor, uh, atheist philosophy professor on the airplane, having like right. a two hour conversation on the way home after the yes. Berkeley trip and and discussing philosophy with this atheist philosophy professor. Yeah. And at the end, the professor says, man, you've given me a lot of stuff to think about. That's right. Um, I'm just curious if you have some other conversations because I know you just went to Washington, D.C. on another yep. one of the apologetics trips if there's mm-hmm. any kind of cool stories of students having discussions uh in, in like a specific issue that kind of came up <clears throat> well let's see i mean definitely the issue that comes up i'd say uh, three out of four times is uh, the problem of evil yeah um and so that's uh, they have those conversations quite a bit but yeah i mean there's so many um i don't know what to i'll say this the the, the thing that really pops out to me is a lot of these students don't know who I am before they get there. And so I kind of trick them. I don't say I'm lying to them. I'm tricking them. Right. Um, it's for their benefit for a while. And we do these atheist role plays. So I they heard come the in. story of you doing this one. So yeah, yeah. Or, so I just gonna, heard you did it. <laughs> yeah. I've been able to do it on two occasions now, not just do the atheist role play, but make them think that I am an atheist. And, uh, and I've argued and debated with atheists so many times over the last decade that uh, I think I know their positions often uh, better than they do. Yeah. And I can be a pretty good atheist. I just know. <laughs> I mean, uh, so the students know that when they go to these uh, immersive experiences that they're going to be um, listening to presentations by atheists. So we actually do hire atheists to come speak to the kids. And I, I tell them, hey, convert them. <laughs> Give yeah. them your best shot. Tell them yeah. why you're an atheist and why they should be. And uh, – the students, though, I mean, they're prepared, and uh, but usually on the first night, when they as soon as they get there, they say, "Hey, we're going to start right off with an atheist," and so I, you know, I let them know. Um, I tell them I've got this crazy backstory, so I'm going to wreck it here. So anybody that's watched this is never going to be fooled by me again. But, <laughs> you know, I tell them that I, I was a former youth pastor. Uh, that I, I, I tell the same story about the young man who raised those objections and I had to go find the answers. And then I say, and so I went to Biola to find it, but then, but then I switch it here and I say that halfway through Biola, I realized that all these arguments were horrible and I became an atheist myself and I decided to stick it out and get the degree since I've already paid for that much. And so I, I finished out my degree and I didn't tell any of my professors that I became an atheist, even though I was an atheist going through the program. And so these students are sc- really scared at that point because they're like, oh man, he, he knows the arguments. He has a he master's in apologetics. Yeah, and he's an atheist, right? <laughs> so they're scared to death right off the bat. But I get them to interact with me. Yeah, and they and you can tell they've been they've been equipped. They've had that six weeks of training that that you've given them. Yeah, and uh, so it's 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 fun to see them interact. But then when I come out and I say, "Look, guys," after about an hour or so of going back and forth with them, I say, "Guys." I'm not an atheist. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus, and I'm your field guide. <laughs> and they look at me like, no, you know. Like yeah. One girl at Berkeley, she goes, and this is why I have trust issues. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, they usually don't trust me again until the next day. But by the yeah. end of the week, um, things are great, and uh, we made uh, some, just some great friends. And usually, the atheists themselves who come and and present they're um they're always just impressed with how respectful the students are how intelligent they are the good questions that they ask and 
And it's not uncommon to see the atheists and the students, you know, giving each other hugs at the end of the conversation. Yeah. Um, and I, venture to say i think the students typically win uh the debate if if we're going to call it that uh they they leave these conversations i think typically with their faith strengthened yeah and so uh yeah you know uh, i'll just say say reagan uh young woman 15 year old girl on the uh last trip at the end of the trip, she said, Tim, this was by far the hardest week of my life, but it was the best week hmm. of my life. And uh, the rest of the group seemed to agree with her. So That's so cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I've, I've seen the same thing. Uh, my last place I did the atheist role play, they were very upset. And one thing I think is, is very cool, and, and they also had the trust issues, and they're like, oh, my goodness, yeah. what, how could you? But one thing I think is so cool is you see, a different, you see different questions being asked after the students go through training and after they're prepared. Uh, you know, I think beforehand, it, it's a lot of uh, personal testimonies. Here's my feelings. Here's a, an experience that took place in my life. How do you explain this? Versus afterwards, there's a lot more kind of concrete, hey, what about this? How, how have you considered, you know, fine tuning or, you know, yeah. and they can actually go through and really articulate those things. It's awesome. Now, so we only have about three minutes left in this first part. So I want to give people a little preview for next week, but also discuss okay. what you do with free thinking ministries. I know you focus a lot on free will. I don't know if that had anything to do with free thinking. Yeah. Uh, but what exactly are you doing now with free thinking ministries? Yeah, well, primarily uh, I spend my time blogging, uh, podcasting, uh, making videos, and speaking. So I go around to different churches and uh, universities and any group that will have me, I'll, I'll I like to talk. So you give me a stage, I'll, I'll walk out there and talk about this stuff. But um, yeah, so it's, uh, you're right. Uh, all of the study that I've done on free will did lead to the name Free Thinking Ministries. And uh, I realized, um, you know, atheists like to call themselves free thinkers, but then they usually deny free will at the same time because yeah. it stands to reason that if all that exists is nature, um, then all that exists would be determined by the forces of nature, uh, physics and chemistry, things like that. Uh, so the same people that were affirming that they are free thinkers also deny free will. And it just seemed to me, hey, if there's no free will, there's no free thinking. But if Christianity is true, then free thinking makes sense. And I've developed a, an argument that uh, goes along with that. And so, yeah, it's called the free thinking argument. And I thought, hey, let's just call the ministry free thinking ministry. So there you there go. You go. Mm-hmm. No, and I think that's a great point. I was even just talking with agnostic today, uh, yesterday. Um, he, he wrote me and said, Hey, I have some serious questions for you uh, and wanting to discuss beliefs. But that's one of the biggest things I go to is just the existence of the mind and our ability to think mm-hmm. in the first place. And he ended up agreeing with me. Yes, there does seem to be two substances. There's, there's yeah. a material mind and there's a physical brain. And, and so, you know, leading to what is now the best explanation for this, this thing that we see and this and yeah. what we experience in our consciousness and how really the logical conclusion, as you did mention, is uh, determinism with um, within atheism. So, yeah. man, we just have about a minute left. I'm trying to think of one quick last question, but maybe just <laughs> for, for the next episode, uh, what is um, maybe what is determinism or maybe let's just start with this uh, free will. Um, yeah. What do you mean by free will and, and how is that going to apply to what we talk about next next yeah. show? Okay, I'll, I'll break this down in the next show because there's several different ways to think about this and several definitions uh, that we could use. But the main thing, the main definition that I appeal to when I'm talking about libertarian freedom is, well, I'll say that a person has libertarian freedom if they possess 
and ability to choose between a range of options, each of which is compatible with one's nature. So that's typically what I mean. So if you ever have the ability, you don't have to have it all the time, but if you ever have the ability to choose between or among a range of alternative options, each of which is consistent and compatible with your nature, then congratulations, you possess libertarian freedom. Awesome. And so next week, we're going to look at how that relates to God's sovereignty and predestination with all the different methods or views of understanding salvation when it comes to Arminianism, Calvinism, and Molinism. Tim, thanks so much for joining me this first week. My pleasure. Thank you all so much for listening. I encourage you to go check out freethinkingministries.com. A lot of great resources there. And come back next week as we are going to be discussing those different topics. If you've enjoyed the show today, I also would love it if you shared this with a friend or family member. That just helps to get the word out there so more people can enjoy it. If also you could go to your podcast listening app, give it a rating, maybe even review it. That would be wonderful as, again, that helps in getting this message out to many more people. And so... I'd love it if you could help me out in those ways. Make sure you follow and like all the different social medias and the YouTube channels so you can keep up to date with all the content at coffeehousequestions.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. God bless. Sip coffee. Think deeply. This is Ryan Pauly with Coffee House Questions. I just won't hesitate to follow your love.